This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. And Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the show that made War Room one of the top <laughs> movies in the no, country. No, it was the number one movie last week. The was it number, number one? one? In America, yes. And uh, you're listening to the show that made that possible. Uh, you can the, the Kendrick brothers can take all the credit they want for directing and writing a great movie. You know, uh, Priscilla Shire, that woman, she can take all the credit she wants for doing a great job acting. You know, God can take all the credit he wants for, you know, providing a great message for people to to live through. But I'm telling you, this show put it over the top and I am demanding. I'm sta- I, I, right here. I am on record demanding from the Kendrick brothers restitution. <laughs> Wait, well, I'll take a role in their next movie. Of course, of course you will be in costume if I need to be put prosthetics on me, whatever you got to do. Of course. Prosthetics? What kind of prosthetics? Like an extra leg? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like a nose? A blind wait, wait, giant wait, nose already? Why I don't would know. you? Why would you? I was gonna say, why do you? You I, and I, I have, both I mean, neither I one need prosthetics I mean, for our noses. I'll wear a mask if they do, <laughs> if I'm not fitting of the physical <laughs> facial exam. I mean, Donald Trump has taught us a lot this week about what he thinks about people's faces. Oh my goodness! Has he not? Oh, you know. So okay, here I have a question now. Again, it's different for people running for president than people who aren't. Okay, and this wasn't something we were going to talk about, but we'll talk about it. Let's do it. Okay, so the Donald Trump thing, right? He says to he says about Carly Fiorina, Carly Fiorina, who, by the way, I'm not a fan of, and I'm even less of a fan of than I was a week ago. And I already knew some things about her, but I am even less of a fan now. Uh, I like I, her, but I don't I, know anything about well, her. Well, she's kind of John McCainy in a dress. I'm uh, fine with bit. that. Continue. Of course you are, because you like cross dressing. I'm wait. Because you are, oh, you're a soft, squishy little rhino. So, oh, oh anyway. I'm definitely not a Republican. So we're good then. <laughs> well, and I guess I don't know if you, you don't have to register here, and I can't remember anyway. But all right. So anyway, Carly Fiorina, she was a CEO in uh, for HP in California, and I have family who've done a lot of business in California, made a lot of money in California, and they are not fans of hers either, and they are close with the people who are in charge at HP and other places. And to a person, they all say she was a terrible CEO and not a good person. I mean, that's what they're saying. Now, that's that's the stories that I'm hearing, okay? She comes across as extremely as an extremely lovely person on television. And, uh, and I don't... I don't know the people who are saying that she's not a good person. I just know the people who know the people. And I've heard the stories, and I'm not big on her politics. Okay, that said, regardless of her politics or your under your views on her politics, Donald Trump comes out and says this week, what did he say? Something about her face. <laughs> he said, look at that face. <laughs> I'm sorry. I cannot handle this Donald Trump stuff, be- mainly because <laughs> Donald Trump can say whatever he wants. Oh, and yeah. people, it's like watching The Apprentice. They just don't care. They don't care. And so he comes out and says, look at that face. Something like, who would ever vote for that face? Right. Or, okay. Now, a lot of people are up in arms. How dare somebody say that about a woman politician or whatever? Just a second. 
every conservative, almost every conservative on our side, whether they are running for president or not, they're just a schlub like me who's going to hopefully maybe find someone to vote for in the next election or someone who's high up in the, in the ratings like a Donald Trump. And everybody in between has said the exact same thing and worse about Hillary Clinton. Way worse. <laughs> and suddenly we're supposed to be upset that, some, that Donald Trump said, why would I? Nobody's going to vote for Carly Fiorina because she's ugly. Well, what, 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 what's been the what's been the standard thing about Hillary Clinton since 1992? That yeah, she's pantsuits. Yeah, well, the pantsuits that she's a <laughs> that she's a. I guess maybe I'll have to that she's a, a bee, a witch on wheels, I, I and, and that she's ugly and you know and 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 Rush said. And to his credit, owned up to and said that it was fine. I didn't have a problem with him saying it, but he said in the in the election in uh, eight years ago when Obama was elected, he's he's talking about Hillary. He says, "Who who wants to watch a woman age in office? She's already unattractive, and now she's just going to get older and less attractive." I mean, we've said these kinds of things about Hillary for a long time, and it doesn't. They're not. They're not. It doesn't make them right. And no. I do look. I think women on both sides have a harder time. They're going to get scrutinized more. They're going to face some things yeah. when it comes to appearance because that's how the, the system works. That's how the culture left and right, male and female deals right. with deals with it. Now, that's fair or not. I don't care. Life isn't fair. Right. But that's that's the fact. Now, on the other side of that, I would say it's not horribly presidential of someone like a Donald Trump who's leading in the polls and is a lead candidate right now for the Republican nomination to come out and say something like that. He doesn't care. That's no, but it's not presidential. I mean, he doesn't care. That's the, I want to, this is what I want to I know he doesn't, I know he doesn't care, but I think the electorate should care a little bit. But they don't because you want to know what? And this is why Donald Trump is trumping. This is why Donald Trump is trumping. Okay. Because, Donald Trump is not presidential, and that's exactly <laughs> that's what people why they want. Like him, I guess, yeah, they're, they're You're tired. Right. You're I right. do think there's always been that dynamic of oh, I want to, I want to have a beer with that person, right? right. You know, yeah, oh, you know, I want, and and people love that they want to vote for the person they want to have a beer with. So that's always been there. But I think now more than ever, because people are so disgusted by both sides, they yeah. actually want somebody who says whatever they think, even if it's offensive. And guess what? <laughs> He's gaining among among that's, women. I know, I know, and that's. And that's so I think I, part of me says, listen, Donald Trump is not my candidate, never will be my candidate. Uh, th there are things that he says that I like, but he's saying them because he knows that people like me and Billy and other people like it, not right. because he actually he believes, believes it. Right. And I think the guy is, you know, uh, our boss, Glenn, has said about him that he's uh, narcissistic, that he's arrogant. But that's not something anybody would deny. I mean, it's I don't not, think Donald Trump would deny that. No, I mean, it's it's as as again, this is something that's, that Rush said many many years ago, and it stuck in my brain as a kid when I heard him say it. And then he says, "I'm not name calling; I'm aptly describing." So when it comes to Donald Trump, it's not it's not name calling to call him a narcissist. It's like we're describing him. This is who he is. This is what he's like. He has you know, Chris always been this way. Only one of us has sat in Donald Trump's office with him. <clears throat> I haven't, so I'm guessing it would be you then. It would be. Did you sat in there with him? Yes. Yeah. What I've were sat you, in Donald what, Trump's what office. What were you doing? And, and I interviewed was, him two other times over the phone. So, well, he does. Okay. So why, who in the world gets away with doing all of their television interviews on the phone, by the way? Have you noticed that? He because calls he doesn't into the leave Today that Show. office. I'm convinced of it. He I've calls seen into the, the Today Show. He calls into Fox and Friends. He calls yeah. into MSNBC. He won't actually go sit down for an interview. Do you realize that this is a the brilliance interview. of Donald Trump? Oh, yeah. It's he does a genius. It. You're not worth my time to come to your studio and sit down with you. 
and you want me so bad that you're going to let me call into your show. <laughs> that so is how he thinks, and everybody goes along with it. There, I've never seen anything like it in it my really life. Is, it really is amazing. I love it. It really is. So, okay, so I, tell I me, secretly love it. I do. So you interviewed him twice on the phone. Was it for The Blaze or was it for other other things? For The Blaze, yeah. Okay. Every interview I've done with him has been for The Blaze. So now when, when were you in his office and what, what was that for? I think it was twenty and early was everything, 2014. Was it everything gold-plated in there? Let me tell you this, okay? If, if anybody's watched The Apprentice and... Okay, if anybody's watched The Apprentice, every part of The Apprentice, from walking into the building with the bizarrely dressed doorman to the bizarre secretaries sitting in random desks is true. I mean, it's all real. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part that struck me the most. It's like, oh, Trump Tower is exactly what it appears to be on the apprentice. Um, and very, he was very nice. He was, I mean, it was a good conversation. I was in his office like 10 or 15 minutes probably. Yeah. And, um, interacted with him quite a bit there. And he, every time I've ever talked to him and this is what's interesting. And I have not said this to anybody before. Um, I don't, I guess I could say it. he has always expressed being a huge fan of Glenn. Yeah. And of really liking Glenn. Interesting. Um, so it is interesting. And I think obviously when someone starts to say things like, oh, I don't like that person, it's, that's going to change. But he has made it a point to tell me that he likes Glenn and to convey that he likes Glenn to Glenn. Interesting. That's, that's really interesting. So I, but there's, I, do you find him as, as fascinating as I do? Like when he's on television doing an interview or doing a rally, I actually stop what I'm doing or I turn off my, I've got, you know, two televisions and stereos and things going on here all the time. So I got like six things playing all at one time, but I'll stop everything else and focus just on him and listen to say what he's saying. Do you find him? It just, it's, yes. like, it's almost, it's, I don't want to say compelling cause that's too, maybe too positive, but it's intriguing. I can't, it's captivating. Um, first of all, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, I want to say other things about my encounter in the office, right? Okay. But I don't but I don't want to violate trust or anything like that. But right. it it is he is a person who does things how he wants to do them. Right. And I don't think and the irony of it, he does he says and does things I think that are like you said to get people's attention or because he knows people are going to want to hear it. But he also acts in a way in his regular life from what I saw in that brief moment in his office that indicates to me that some of the cartoonish behavior yeah. is actually who he is. Right. No, no. I think that I don't think you can do this for this long and have it not be who you are. I agree. He has, he has been Trumpy since the get go. Totally. It, and from what I've read, it's his his dad wasn't a big fan of his attitude, but I, that's just some things that I've read. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I just, I find him fascinating when he's on TV. I stop and listen. He has every right to claim that he brought the ratings to Fox for that debate. I think. Oh no, definitely. I, I mean, absolutely. I, I absolutely. Mean, you and you I, know, I mean, you and I were going to watch the debate anyway, because that's our jobs. Right. But if I weren't, if I weren't somebody who was politically engaged and I always have been, so it's hard, I guess it's hard for me to say how it would be if I weren't, but if I were somebody who, was not politically, excuse me, was not politically engaged. I still would have watched because it's like, I just can't get enough listening to, because he's not, hor he doesn't come across as horribly intelligent, though you know he is. He doesn't right. come across as horribly articulate because he, like me, has only a few big words that he knows. 
Right. But he loves to call things good and great and fabulous. And he's a very good guy. He's a very good. I know <laughs> him very well. He loves and... to drop names. He's stupendous. He's a very, he's very talented. I mean, those kinds of things. And so it's very easy to character, characterize him or draw a caricature of him. Uh, but I, 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 I he's not, he's, a du- he's not a dummy. He's not a dummy. And he is generous. But I generous. will say he's actually a really generous person who, um, you know, I, I mean, there were things that he did the day I, w- I was there because it was Pastor Saeed Abedini's wife oh, okay. who had gone to meet with him, with Trump. He was very, this was way before he was running for president. I mean, maybe he was considering it, but sure. but she had gone to meet with him to explain the plight of her husband and he offered his support. I was supposed to go to a meeting with the two of them. I missed her. By the time I got there, she had left. Um, and, and her name is Nagme. I think we had her on yeah, the show. Yeah, we had her actually. on the show, yeah. Um, so, you know, I sat down with him after to talk about his reaction, and he had some very strong words for President Obama and what we should be doing. And he, again, this week had actually talked about getting people like Saeed out of Iran right. if he's elected president. So, you know, I, I mean, but he did some very generous things, and I, I won't say what, in that meeting with her, and he's helped a lot of other people. He's, look, he is a walking um, contradiction in some ways. Yeah. I do think he wanted universal health care. There's a lot not to like about him, but I do think it's interesting. If you wanted somebody to get a job done and you trusted that he would be that person while knowing, once he's in office, knowing where he stands and the bluntness, I think there's a lot of things about him that are attractive to people. Yeah. And not to me necessarily, but uh, you know, when it comes to a president, but you know, could this guy win the presidency? What do you think? Uh, no, I don't think he can. I, I if it's him versus I, Hillary, is it Hillary? Uh, yeah, I I think that he's I think that he is. I think there are enough people who would stay home, like in the last election with Mitt Romney. There are enough people who would stay home on the conservative side to allow Hillary to win. Uh, I understand what's attractive about. I certainly understand what's attractive about, because there's I, but that doesn't make him the right guy for the job. I get what's attractive, but. You got to be careful. <laughs> you got to be careful with him. I mean, yeah. Oh, that's. I'll just leave it there because there are some things that we could both probably say that would uh, either alienate people or get us in trouble and also betray confidences. So let let us just leave it there. But I, I like Trump. I understand why people like Trump, but he's not my candidate. And I, if he's the nominee, I won't vote. I mean, that's that's why Hillary will win if she's up against Trump. I'm gonna hold you to that. I mean, I won't vote for Trump. I shouldn't say I won't vote. It's a possibility I'll go out and vote for a third party guy or we whatever. Could write e- Wait, we could write each other in. Oh, we could. You know who I'm writing in? If it's Trump, you know who my write-in is? Liz Klimas. No. Pedro Cortez. Uh, I'll write Pedro in, too. Two votes Two for Pedro. Two votes for Pedro. He'll come in third. <laughs> All right, let me do something here real quick. All right, now. Speaking of pleasurable experiences. Yesterday, I got to go to the dentist, which is my favorite thing in the entire world, right? Except, except, the, except for everything else I could possibly choose to do. <laughs> okay. I mean, I hate medical professionals, period. Now, I can't be saying that too loud, too loudly, and hopefully I don't have any. So the nice thing is that successful people don't listen to this show. So <laughs> I don't have to worry about some doctor or somebody hearing this. Right, Pedro? Um I think it's, isn't his isn't his wife like super smart medical? Yeah, she has a doctorate, I believe, I and um, so she's brilliant. Okay, basically. so don't let Mrs. Pedro hear. She's this. got about eleven more degrees than you or I have. <laughs> Her IQ is like 
a thousand points higher than mine. Um, so we don't want Mrs. Pedro to hear this. However, I'm not a big fan of medical professionals and nothing, nothing against them personally. It's just every encounter with them is because of something unpleasant, right? I got to go to the doctor for a checkup. Well, that's not fun. I got to go to the doctor because I'm not feeling well. That's not fun. So I guess I associate the negativity of what I'm going through with the, with the experience. But even going to the dentist for a cleaning is just annoying to me. And it's partly because I have to interrupt my day and go do this. But anyway, so I went to the dentist yesterday. And I have now, now I have said all of those nasty things about medical professionals. But we have the best dentist uh, to me that I've ever had. And I've had west coast dentists and east coast dentists and i'm telling you this guy is if you are in eastern washington or north idaho and you want the name of a really good dentist ping me on facebook or on twitter uh twitter at cm uh, chris m field on twitter and you can find us on facebook uh, if you're wanting the name of a really good dentist in the pacific northwest especially eastern washington north idaho let me know because i will gladly refer you to him because he is He's got, he's got a great temperament. He's really good at what he does. And his office is, he's got a bunch of, you know, a lot of dentist offices are filled with the dentist and then, you know, six female women wandering around the office doing who knows what. Um, but they're extremely professional and they're so kind. You, you, you'd think an office like that, you could have a bunch of harpies, you know, getting on each other. And it's not that at all. It's, the, it's just, it's just, just a professional, wonderful place. Anyway. So yesterday I go. I've in. never wait. I, huh? I've actually never heard somebody shower so much love upon a dentist's office. Well, in he, my life. this guy deserves his name. Is, well, I won't give his name because I don't know if he wants me to or not. But if you if you want his name and you're interested in finding a dentist in this area, please let me know. So, um, but he's just he's just a quality guy. He's like a really good guy. I think they're. I think his he and his wife and kids are Mormon. I think. And maybe some of the people who work, I don't know. I didn't convert while I was there. So, I mean, I'm not how, how great a Mormon he is, but, um, <laughs> but he's just really good. And they're just, you are they're really kind. an so, awful creature. I know. Oh, I can't, I'm showering this praise. I can't be all kind. So anyway, so we're, I have to get two fillings done. And the first now, and when I had fillings and I told them this, when I was, uh, 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 when I was there, I said, you know, the, not the last time I had fillings, but one time when I had fillings over on the, on the East coast in the DC area. They were putting fillings in, and they had to drill pretty good. And they put the Novocaine stuff in, and it wore off about halfway through. And I told them, you know, I can feel everything that you're doing. They said, well, there's nothing we can do about it, so we'll be done here in a little bit. I mean, that's when I went through D.C. I mean, it's like, shoot me now. But it was fine. Listen, I'm not someone who, Ugh. pain doesn't bother me. It's just annoying more than no, anything pain's, else. No, tooth, I don't care about pain, but tooth drilling... <laughs> Is like I'm getting sick thinking about it. Oh, like no. there's nothing worse than having your teeth drilled or pulled with it, it without Novocaine. Yeah, it's well, I suppose that's that could be accurate. I it doesn't. I mean, it just wasn't a big deal to me. It just I just thought well, it seems highly irregular. You know, if, well, I would there like was for it to be something as, they could do. They could have given would, you another shot. I would like for it to be as unpleasant as possible, or, or as, as not unpleasant as possible. Right? I don't want it. To be, I don't expect it to be pleasurable. I mean, you've got your fingers in my mouth with sharp instruments. I mean, how, ple how pleasurable is it going to be? But so I go to this. I go to my dentist, and the lady who did the cleaning before I went in for the fillings, she gave me a shot of the Novocaine, and then she said oh, we need to do another one over here. So she did that. So my whole side of my face is starting to get the buzz, you know. 
Well, about 10 minutes go by and they start tapping my lip and I can still feel them tapping my lip and my, they said, well, you sh it should be numb. You shouldn't feel that. I said, it's tingling when you touch. So well, we got to do some more. So they put in a whole bunch more. I wound up being dead from the middle bottom of my nose all the way across up. My ear was numb. I mean, everything. So it was really not a great experience, but it's a lovely office. And I wanted to bring that up, not simply because I wanted pity because I had to get fillings and had all this deadening stuff, but also just a, there are some good guys out there. So you though, tell us, you said you had some sort of dental well, there mishap. Was a, there was a moment in time in which I decided after having braces that it would be a good idea. I had braces as a teenager that it would be a great idea to stop wearing my retainer. And so- of course. I started getting this awful ear pain. Like I couldn't, I can't explain it to you. I thought I had an ear infection. I went to the doctor. <clears throat> it turns out my jaw had actually moved. Like my teeth oh. had moved to a point that was like severe. This is a couple of years ago. Yikes. Um, where like when I bit down, my top teeth were like an inch behind my bottom teeth. It was really bad. Um, and so I had like really bad TMJ basically. That was, is that what it's oh, called? Yeah. TMJ? Yeah, is it lockjaw kind of thing? Basically, like, so they're like, you need jaw surgery, you oh need to my. have jaw surgery. Um, we're gonna wire your jaw shut for like six weeks, which I'm sure you would have loved. <laughs> you see, your, um, your wife was going, yes, six oh yeah. weeks. <laughs> oh yeah, everyone was like overjoyed. But I'm like, I'm not doing this. So I, anyway, I found an orthodontist who could. She's like, I could do this. It'll be a lot of maneuvering, but over like a three year period, I could do this with braces. If you put braces back on. Oh. By the way, I'm like a 28 year old man at this point um this is a couple years ago and i'm like well i don't i don't know if i want to do that like with work and stuff i don't but i did it because it was right. the only option it was seven thousand dollars um but the surgery would have been way more expensive and way more intrusive and i would have had to get braces anyway after the surgery Ugh. so long story short did it and they had to pull a tooth though to make it happen because they had to move all the teeth in the bottom back. And yeah. it was a healthy tooth, of course. So Natural. it was an awful experience. The Novocaine came wore off and it was awful. And I and like it took forever to pull it out. And I'm sorry, it's 2014 at this point or 2013. Yeah. Yeah. How did they not have a better instrument than pliers? Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, that's about all you got, though. I mean, when you're pulling a tooth, you got to have something you can yank with force. It's, just, it's disgusting. It looked like my toolkit had been brought in to take my tooth out. But, and then I had like a do. giant gap in the middle of my mouth for like <laughs> a year and a half while they closed the hole up. Yeah. So, oh, I forgot to tell you that. So they gave me all this Novocaine, you know, like, I don't know, 17 doses of, not really 17, but a whole bunch of Novocaine. And it's got epinephrine in it. And my heart started going. Oh, I have to get it without <laughs> I epinephrine. Getting, I was getting all anxious. Like, they, they, I was trying not to show anything because I was just sitting there just calmly. But I, then I just reached over and took my pulse. And the lady, the hi, not the hygienist, but the assistant or whatever her name. I don't, she's a lovely person. I can't remember her name. Everyone's so lovely in this but office. I would. I just reached over, tried to subtly just take my pulse. And she goes, your heart racing? I said, yep. She said, do you have any breakfast this morning? I had coffee. She said, that'll do it. So anyway, so she said. Uh, well, I actually have to do it with no epinephrine really? when I go. Because I, I get like awful dizzy spells like i'm gonna pass out oh really but, but when you don't have so epinephrine apparently <laughs> i'm not a doctor i don't know but it helps with the bleeding but it oh, also yeah. it helps yeah. like hold the bleeding back but the but the other thing um is that you know i think it helps with pain management i don't know but it yeah. takes forever without the epinephrine to get numb <laughs> so it took it that was the problem with this tooth pull he kept he put it in and 10 minutes later he was ready to pull the tooth out I'm like it's not numb yet and he's like well we got to do it and I'm like <laughs> making those awful noises like, oh, oh, oh. And he's like pulling still. Why didn't you just say, 
I just can't you just reach up? I mean, was he I, was I he not within was he not within reach of your fist? I mean, basically, was like pushing him off of me. Practically, he's like, "Oh, it's okay, it's okay, we're almost done." Uh, no, you're not almost done. And then there's that awkward moment where you Ugh. feel the tooth pull out of your actual jaw. It was horrible, <laughs> um, and it actually scarred me. And so now I'm like really afraid to go to the dentist. I've been going just for cleanings, but you know, I'm petrified. <laughs> I think we need to take a break. I think we do too. And then let's talk about. Okay, I want to come back. I want to talk about the, uh, the your favorite crowd, the gullible Kim Davis supporters. <laughs> so we'll be right back. Just a minute. So last week, Billy and I had a little. Well, a little dust up. I don't say a dust up because that's too negative, but a little discussion about um, uh, the mama in uh, in uh, Kentucky, Kim Davis, and uh, a little discussion about the legality of her not doing her job that she was elected to do versus standing up for her principles and all these sorts of things. And so Pedro doesn't like it, and other people don't like it when mommy and daddy fight. So, And by the way, I'm daddy, he's mommy. Uh, <laughs> Said you. So... Just know that Billy and I have these discussions on and off air, and we're still very friendly and still uh, um, just love each other just as much as we did before. But anyway, so the Kim Davis thing has been has been nuts, and things have kind of evolved and developed. And so, Billy, what where do we stand on the Kim Davis thing as of right now? What's going on? So as of right now, it appears her attorneys at the Liberty Council are basically arguing, and it, it's hard to tell. But I'm just going to read this quote because I think it will summarize and it. And she's it says, out of she's out. But we should add she's well, yeah. Since she's our last discussion, she's out of jail and uh, at home judge, reading letters and relaxing and, and gallivanting. Judge, judge Bunning let her out. I don't know what was what the, what was the terminology for that Bunning used to let her out. Well, she she's basically being let out of jail on the condition that she doesn't get involved in the issuance of marriage right. licenses. So, so so far she hasn't because she hasn't gone back to work. She right. goes back to work Monday. Okay, and so let me let's let's hit pause right here before you give us the update. Did you watch any of the clown show on Tuesday? No, I only looked at snapshots of it, which were oh, amazing. My goodness, it was um, embarrassing to me to say the least. Yeah, of course, I don't agree with her politically on the what she did, right? I agree with her on gay marriage stuff, and I, I'm, I'm a bigger proponent of simply re- of recognizing only traditional marriage than you are. You're more open to the other stuff. I, we, well, everybody theologically, you and I agree 100%. Right. Sure. Oh, yeah, it's, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, it's the legality of it where I kind of just don't care as much. Right. And so, and, and that's fine. But that... Is it? That little circus that happened on Tuesday with Mike Huckabee up there. And uh, listen, before this Kim Davis thing, I was a huge Matt Staver fan. Since this, I'm still a big fan of his, but this situation, the way that it has grown in its strangeness has not been, I think, helpful to our cause. Maybe I may, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally missing the boat on this. But I, just, I think, I, can I say, I, uh, wait, I, I actually believe, and I could be wrong about this. I think there are a lot of other conservative attorneys who would have taken different tactics. Yeah. But I also think that 
there was an effort and there is an effort to make a case so big and get so much attention, which is what's been accomplished here, yeah. that people will at the least be talking about religious liberty, which is what it. people are talking about right yeah, now. That's and that's true, and that's fair. And if that was their doesn't goal, make it a good case. No, but, and it doesn't. It doesn't make a good PR. This this little show that they had on Tuesday does not make for good PR for us either. Well, I, mean, I don't know why. Look, I don't know why they felt the need to do that. I and bring think in people from all over the Mike place. This was a Mike Huckabee show. First of all, this is it's Mike Huckabee awful. trying to get voters. That's oh, what yeah. this was. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I I don't think that it needed to be that. I don't think that Mike Huckabee is going to get elected on a religious freedom platform. I'm sorry, Mike no. Huckabee, you're not. No. Um, you know, most Americans, we've looked at polls from AP, GFK. Those polls have shown that Americans are more concerned, even after gay marriage, with religious freedom and religious liberty than they are gay rights. Yeah. But I don't think that Mike Huckabee is going to come out and be this you know, huge force that's just going to no. captivate everybody because no. he held a rally outside of the prison no. that Kim Davis was in. I, I don't know why... Well, I don't had, know why they went that route. And they had different celeb- you know, quote, celebrities on in taking turns at the podium. It's, I just, and it was all orchestrated and just weird. It was, the whole thing was weird. It and, would not have been weird to me if they had Kim Davis speak and Matt Staver speak. Sure. Fine. Right, but it became it became an entire production, and it was, listen, and we talked about it last week. Christians, we have enough, we have enough, we already look weird to the world, excuse me, because of the things that we believe. And yes, I just burped on, to, on, on air. We have enough things in the world that make us look weird because, we're, because we, we believe something that's very different from the rest of the world. But then to go out there and purposefully look weird is, is another thing, you know? I mean, it's just... I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't, there's now, part, again, I just don't get it. Again, it might be part of the let's grab as much attention as we can. I don't know. Yeah. But, but, but I not, say, but it's not good attention, right? There's, but, there's, always, well, the, there's always the theory that any ink is good ink. That's not good ink. Here's why I disagree with you on that. And I don't like the event. And I do agree with you on the event. On the, on the attention front, Kim Davis doesn't walk away in media looking good no matter what. Even if she walks right. away and never says another word about this, she right. will look like the horrible bigot witch who wouldn't grant licenses. So right. at the end of which the day... No, which no, neither of us is saying she is. No, no. And right. at the end of the day, if, you know, like Andrea Tenteros over at Fox News, she said this week, this this sets a dangerous precedent. Um, you know, what if a, what if a Muslim woman doesn't want to grant licenses because she thinks under Sharia that women shouldn't be driving? Right. Fine. I get all of that. Yep. Um, but I do think that right now the bigger point of this has been on, on this grand issue is to figure out how are people going to have exemptions? I know a lot of people who don't think public employees should have exemptions. They just don't. When you work in the public square, you shouldn't have an exemption. Yeah. You tend to believe that. Yeah, I don't I really that believe that. I don't think you have to sacrifice your, when there's a reasonable account, the, the way the law works is, as far as I understand, and I'm not a lawyer, if there's a reasonable way to accommodate, the government has to. Whether you're a government worker or not, that should be the case. Right. I think there's a reasonable accommodation here, and that's that. I mean, I don't, th- I don't think it's controversial. Do we have a guest in studio today? We do. I we thought, have. I, I, thought, I thought I heard a guest in the studio. We have. We have the gurglings. <laughs> oh, there it is. She's taping a. She was taping a special across the hall. Oh, she's, she's gonna lose it. Here we go. Okay, here, here we, we go, go. Here we go. Here we go. Listen, listen. Well, she's not gonna do it, is she? No, no. She, every time she, we wanted. Oh, oh. Yeah. We have oh. five-week-old Liliana Hope Hollowell sitting here with me in the studio as we record. Hold on, I'm giving her her binky. This is how professional we are. We now have children in the studio. 
my kids just come up and I have glass doors on one end of my office that we use also as a studio here. I have glass doors on one end and my kids will just come up and just stand and look in the windows while we're recording. <laughs> so I've got these like little pairs of eyes watching me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she's with me right now today as we record it's and okay. she's being a pretty good girl overall. Yeah, she is. I actually think she was responding to your Kim Davis hatred. I think that's what was happening. Okay, so no, I mean, look, my my bottom line on this is that there can be a reasonable accommodation. If there can be one, there should be one. Done. I don't think it's that controversial. Yeah. You tend to think that if if a Nazi administration comes and everyone should be forced to be Nazis if they work for the government. I don't agree with that. Basically, that's <laughs> what I think. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So now now we've kind of cleared the air a little bit. So now she's. She's out. She's out of jail. She's. They've had the the little circus thing. That they, I shouldn't say that because there were some very nice people that I respect who were part of that. But like the the bottom twin brother people that are friends of yours, the Benhams. Yeah, I like the them. Benhams, not Bonhams. Bonhams would be John Henry Bonham, drummer for Led Zeppelin. These are the Benham brothers. They were spoke there. Um. So, anyway. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So now there's something going on where gay activists are are tricking the. <laughs> The Kim Davis I supporters. I love this. I just love this. And it's and well, listen, it's not because I want to pick on Kim Davis supporters. That has nothing to do with it. I just think these kinds of things make me laugh when somebody just says, you believe this and I believe the opposite. Now I'm going to trick you into doing going to this. I mean, if it's not pornographic, if it's not violent, I don't it's have funny. I mean, it's it is funny. It really is. It is funny. Right. OK, go ahead. Well, OK, so <laughs> basically. <laughs> Peter, do you know who Peter LaBarbera is? LaBarbera, yeah. he's like, he's uh, the he's head a, of... a family research council, right? Or he was. Well, yeah, now he's with Americans for Truth about homosexuality. Right. That's yeah. his yes. organization. I don't think he likes me. I remember him tweeting me something. I, I don't know. Maybe he likes me. I don't really care. But the bottom line is he <laughs> he um, put out he put out this warning through One News Now, the Christian outlet, saying, um, hey, you know, there's this, this trickery going on where gay rights groups are making a, they, they bought a website, they bought a domain, they bought freekimdavis.com because there's another <laughs> website. Brilliant. It's wait, brilliant. Wait, wait. It's 1983. So somebody registered freekimdavis.net and <laughs> they made that the, the pro Kim Davis website, right? right? So a gay group or a gay individual thought, I'm going to buy freekimdavis.com. Um, or maybe they already have the right. I bet they, for some I bought the, I, this, the second there was any threat of jail time for Kim Davis, somebody who is a Kim Davis, who is not a Kim Davis supporter bought that URL. That's right. my bet. Okay. So they bought it. And so people are, oh, I want to go support Kim Davis. They go to <laughs> freekimdavis.com and they end up at, you know, HRC, the gay rights group. They end up on a donation page for that organization. The, the it forwards rights, you right there. Human Rights Commission, right? Isn't that what they are? HRC? Human, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Human Rights Campaign. I'm sorry. Campaign. Human Rights Campaign. Or and, Hillary Rodham Clinton. And, now that has been changed and now it's it's forwarding to this other group, Marriage Equality USA. <laughs> now I reached out to HRC, Human Rights Campaign, and asked them today, hey, are you guys the ones that bought this because like it's right. it was going to your donation page? They said no. They told me they were not they appreciated me reaching out and they said no, they were not the ones who registered the domain. So I'm wondering, is it marriage equality USA? I reached out to them, and they just ignored me. Yeah. Now I just think it's brilliant and hilarious I that people are ending up on pro-gay marriage websites. I think it was some smart, intelligent, or, or forward-thinking uh, uh, gay marriage advocate who bought the who bought the URL and is just automatically have it redirect to various 
pro-gay marriage sites, campaign pages. That's all I think it is. I think it's just, <laughs> I think it was just someone made a brilliant move, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, look. Oh, you want to you want to hear something very funny? Yes. Uh, Lily, uh, my daughter. Yeah. Apparently hates our show so much that she fell asleep. <laughs> it's because you're so boring. She can't hear me. Well, she heard she heard Kim Davis and she was like done. Yes. So now, okay. So we, there's this website that's been done. Now tell me, you were reading to me something that just came out on the it was on the Liberty website or who who's Liberty, Liberty Council? Council yeah. Liberty Council. Tell me what what they're saying now. It's it seems like they filed this emergency motion. And it's a little bit confusing the way they've described it, but there were four couples that had sued Kim Davis for the right to marry. Okay. Right. Then there was an injunction that Judge Bunning put, um, you know, basically a mandate forcing Kim Davis to issue those licenses. Now, okay. he expanded that to all couples, not just the four who sued. It sounds like the Liberty Council is saying, well, those four couples, three of them have gotten a license now, and one never intended to get a license. They just had sued. Right. They they have gotten their license, and Judge Bunning doesn't have the right to expand it to everybody. So basically, they're asking that the injunction be thrown out. Now, I don't know what that be, means. So because there's no more people withstanding, nobody can challenge her? Is that right. kind of the idea? Well, do they have to do, if you want a license, you have to sue then? Do you have to go back to court and sue? I mean, I don't know. It's a dog and pony show at this point. It should be a reality show. Well, it's, but what's weird to me is that if these, if the fact that these people have their licenses means that the Judge Bunning has to live his injun- lift his injunction against Kim Davis, then uh, didn't they just say within the last 48, 72 hours that the marriage licenses that were issued without Kim Davis's authority, are void? Which is it? They have said that throughout. I don't, I mean, I think everybody else legally has said, no, they are, they are not void. So, I mean, her attorneys can say that. I think maybe this is an attempt to force people. Yeah, I mean, because you are essentially saying, well, they got their licenses, so you're essentially saying that those licenses are valid then. Um, I don't know the thinking on this. I need to call Matt Staver and talk it through. I've I've called him. I probably annoyed him. I think he's, like, avoiding my calls now because I keep calling to ask, okay, well, what about this? What about that? And also, I've been dying to get Kim Davis on the Church Boys, um, but she's resting at home, I've been told, and cannot do it right now. Well, is her phone not working? A.K.A. Chris Field is awful, and nobody's going to put her her up against you. Is her phone not working? So I don't know. I, I mean, right. look, I I think I don't know where the end of this go. Like, where is the end of this debacle? Does it ever end? I honestly wish for you and I have some disagreements about this. We also agree on the on. I think some of the overarching principles. Part of me wishes the Kleins, the Bakers, a family like that was getting this attention because they're yeah. the ones that really do have, right. I think, a slam dunk case but right. i do reject you saying that public employees don't have that because i think that that is not <laughs> but i see so that's so you and i disagree slightly on the on the, some maybe more than slightly on the public officials but we both agree on the freedom for the private sector people and the private sector people to me that's the home run space right it that's is the, although the way a law works i think is sort of the opposite the law yeah. has always traditionally governed how or at least in in recent decades governed how businesses operate right. but Federal and state and local employees for government have more protections. So that's what's so ironic about this to me. It's sort of a flip dynamic. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's take a break and then we will come we will come right back with uh, Billy Hallowell's technology corner. <laughs> the church boys. Man, I hate these guys. Oh, I hate you too, Satan. Uh, so, 
We are back, and we did a wonderless, wonderless, wonderful interview this week with this guy who just is some named random Hayward. guy. This random, this random guy just called us and we interviewed him. No, but this pastor, and I think out of all of the interviews we've done in a while, this one I think is the most interesting. This, his name is Caleb Kaltenbach, and he is a pastor out in California. He, here's the lowdown because it's just such a bizarre story. Right. He grew up with a m- mom and a dad, like a lot of us do. They got divorced. His mother became a lesbian. His dad was gay. Okay. Yeah. They then bring him into this gay lifestyle where he's marching in parades and everything else. He has no real exposure to Christians well, outside not, of very negative. A gay lifestyle. They bring him into their gay lifestyle. He doesn't. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 So they bring him into their gay lifestyle. Thanks for correcting me, um, Chris. And. <laughs> And then he so he grows up like really having a negative view of Christians because right. he sees them at these events, cur- you know, cursing people out, holding horrible, horrible signs, right. saying awful right. things. Um, what, what's interesting though is that in high school he goes to this Bible study, and here I am like ruining the whole story. But he goes to a Bible study to try to disprove it, and obviously he becomes a Christian. He now is writing a book called Messy Grace, and it's all about how you can be a Christian who holds to traditional values. He does not support gay relationships, yeah. which is. Bizarre and fascinating. Why is that bizarre? Wait, wait. Why is that bizarre that he doesn't? Oh, because of the fact that he. Well, he grew family, up. I mean, his, your mom and right, your dad. Right. Your whole so, life. So don't give the ultimate spoiler for the very end, because he talked. I mean, he gets I know, more Chris. Of, I know you marched in gay pride parades for the first eighteen years of your life. So it, it's a remarkable. I haven't stopped. I've been marching in gay pride parades for decades now. Yeah, um, yeah. With Westboro marching behind them, holding <laughs> awful signs. So, but don't give. So don't spoil. We want you to listen to the whole interview, but he has some more information. About his parents now. <laughs> don't, don't tell the whole story before don't, we air it. Don't don't tell the ending. Don't give it away. All right. So now before we get to this, we have to lay out some ex- explainers here. Uh. <laughs> Billy, when it comes to technology, Billy, listen, Billy is a is a wonderful person, and when it comes to writing, and it comes to uh, researching, and it comes to doing the faith stuff. He's highly intelligent, highly capable. However, when you ask him to record something, because he sends it then to me, and guess who gets to clean it up? When you ask him to record something, he's he's a complete dullard. <laughs> no, no, this is inaccurate. So, no, this it, it is inaccurate accurate because I've had multiple interviews that you have conducted that I've had to clean up that were a total nightmare. Now, <laughs> so we have to say that before we play this interview, um, uh, that you're going to notice that the audio quality coming from Caleb sounds like he is in a on a cell phone in a tunnel with his hand over the receiver. Uh, you're awful. That's, that's, that's all not of the this case. Is not true. We, we've cleaned it up. It actually you can actually hear it. It sounds you can hear it. Um, now Billy has his hand raised. Did you have? Did you need to justify your? Poor behavior. Yes, because I am not. Here's the deal. Okay, wait, wait. Is this the outrage of the week? Yeah, you okay, know let's, what? Let's Cue announce. the outrage of the week. Cue it. Billy Hallowell's outrage of the week. So I love my employer, <laughs> The Blaze, but I have a yes. complaint. Okay, <laughs> my complaint is this: when I I had a computer that was no longer working, I went to tech, and I love the tech guys. So this is not a critique of them. Yeah, it's just the policy that I think is silly. Um, they gave me a new computer and I have, am I like getting myself fired right now? I probably am. Oh, anyway, I'm, I get, I get I'm a new hoping. computer 
They give it to me. Chris is saying please and crossing his fingers, <laughs> hoping. They give me this new computer, and then all of a sudden there's this policy of, oh, if you want to download any programs or download anything, you have to have the tech team do it. Like, I can't, I can't download a program. I can't download a plug-in. So it's like, you know, when you're trying to record things or do things, yeah. you, you, you need those tools. Now, I just don't have time during the day to, like, go to the tech team and, and force them to remotely go into my computer and download everything. It's just, it's a rigmarole. So I've avoided, which is partially my fault, getting some of these plugins. And then I started having computer problems this week. The long story short of it is my outrage is that I should have complete and full control to download whatever I need to download. That's, Chris? That's, that's seem, that seems fair. Now, do I think that that would solve any of the problems? <laughs> I don't really. Because I think no, it wouldn't. In fairness, because I have a problem with my with my earbud port, and that has created right, and that's a that's a hardware problem. But there's also a competency a competency problem. Calm down, genius bar over here. Like because like if you go back and listen, and and I encourage everyone should be going back and listening to all of our old shows because what else do you have to do, honestly? But if you go back and listen to last week's show, I'm pretty sure that we started a conversation and you had your mic not plugged in. Uh, for a, <laughs> for a while there. That has happened. Whatever. That has happened more often than I care to talk about. <laughs> you want to know what? You want to know what, Chris? What? You lack Christian grace. That's probably true. <laughs> uh, with all of that said, here comes our uh, technologically horrid yet content-wise wonderful interview with Caleb Clackenberry Bauer. What's his name? Back. Clackenback. Clapping back. back. Give me his name so we can play the interview. Clapping back. <laughs> That's not right. You don't. You're not saying it correctly. What's his last name? Caleb. Calton. I don't really want to tell you. Colton back. Colton back. Caleb. Clapping back. What? Whatever. It's Here's Caleb Colton back. Caleb Colton back. <laughs> so here you go. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and I have Pastor Caleb Colton back on the phone. How you doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I'm excited to talk with you. I think I love talking with people who have interesting backstories. And I think you definitely have an interesting backstory. You have a book that's going to be coming out uh, very soon in the next couple of months here called Messy Grace. But let's, I guess let's just dive in on your background and we'll just jump right in on it because I think you, again, have one of those stories that people hear and they're like, huh, that's really interesting. Now, you're a Christian pastor. You you were raised by by gay parents, and I would imagine that growing up, seeing the way that Christians sometimes treated your family, that that some of that was difficult. What, from your view as a, as a kid before becoming a Christian, becoming a pastor, what what was your experience with Christians? I um, my parents divorced when I was two years old. They were both professors uh, teaching in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, the University of Missouri and Stevens College and other places. Uh, they got a divorce when I was two. They both came out of the closet. My dad uh, came out of the closet to some of his friends. He was a little bit uh, more private. My mom, however, came out very loud and proud, and she moved to Kansas City with a partner. Her partner's name is Vera. Uh, she was a, a psychologist. My mom started working at the University of Missouri in Kansas City. And uh, they were very loud and proud. They immediately got involved in GLAD in Kansas City and uh, joined the local board of directors of the chapter of GLAD in Kansas City. 
Uh, they were extremely political, took me with them to political rallies. And when I was very young, they wanted me to experience the LGBT community, so they took me with them to parties, campouts, parades, and clubs. And so I just, that was my environment. That's what I grew up in. And uh, I thought most people had, you know, two moms. And, you know, my dad was gay, but I didn't know that until later on. He had a lot of friends. He never had a, a monogamous partner, uh, but he had a lot of quote-unquote friends. And I remember one of the gay pride parades I was marching in, uh, at the end of the parade, there were all these quote-unquote Christians who were holding a sign saying, God hates you, God doesn't want anything to do with you, turn or burn, and they had all these signs. And then if that wasn't enough, at the end of the parade, they were spraying water and urine on everyone. And I looked at my mom, I was in elementary school, and I still remember these words, so I said, why are they acting like this? She said, well, Caleb, they're Christians. Christians, <laughs> Christians don't like people who are different from them. Of course, that's not what I wanted. Growing up in the LGBT community, uh, I ended up uh, making friends with my mom's friends because there weren't a lot of kids in that community, especially in the 80s. And uh, one of uh, my mom's friends, who's a younger guy, and, uh, you know, late 20s or 30s, something like that, his name was Lewis. I remember he contracted AIDS and he was dying. My mom and I went to go visit him a few days before he died. And, you know, it, it was a sad sight. I mean, he was a shell of the man that he used to shivering underneath nine covers, but uh, what was even more sad was all of the, his family, quote-unquote Christians, who were lined up against the wall like they were waiting for a firing squad to come and get them. They didn't want to touch him. They didn't talk to us. They didn't talk to him. They had their big old KJP Bibles out, reading from them. And I just remember, again, my mom, I said, Mom, why aren't, they, why aren't they there for him? Why aren't they in love with him or anything like that? said, well, Caleb, again, you remember what I told you about Christians? They hate people that are different from them. And so I grew up in that environment. Like I said, my mother and her partner were activists. My parents were very, very academic in their pursuit. Um, everything was seen through that lens. And I grew up in high school being Christian. And so I decided that I wanted to attack Christianity. And here's my plan, Billy, and it didn't work out too well. <laughs> I got invited to this Bible study uh, by a friend, and they were having this Bible study, and, you know, they basically in this house, he and some of our other high school friends. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go pretend to be a Christian. I'm going to learn about the Bible, not going to dismantle their arguments, because nobody should follow somebody like Jesus who hates people. And again, my dad, you know, he took me to the Episcopal Church, when I was growing up, but we never really talked about Jesus. To me, it was more about, um, you know, just going to church. I think it made my dad feel better about himself. Uh, so I went to this Bible study, and I grabbed a revised standard version of the Bible. Tab. I mean, it wasn't even a new revised standard. It was standard version. And I remember we were all sitting around doing a Bible study, reading verses, we were supposed to be reading from 1 Corinthians 9 or some, someplace in 1 Corinthians. And I was in 1 Chronicles. Everybody reads these, reads these nice verses about the Apostle Paul. And I read a verse about somebody getting stabbed in the stomach. And uh, they said, I don't think you're in the New Testament. I said, oh, is there an old one? You know, I, I, had, I had no clue. 
and I was strong there. So I kept on going back. And, and here's, here's what I learned: is that Jesus is not like the people on the street corner. He's not like the family plastered up against the wall. And the Jesus definitely has standards that he calls us to for holy living. But as far as the way that I see people in my mom's community treated, um, there was, there was, you know, I guess truth. There's no grace. There's no love. There's no compassion. And so I just saw Jesus in a different light. I gave my life to the Lord. Went home and told my parents I was going to go into ministry. And then I became a Christian and they grounded me. <laughs> yeah, how did, they, how did they react to that? Well, at first they grounded me. And then when I told them that my view on sexuality had changed, and I didn't believe that you know, same-sex relationships were part of God's plan, I was basically disowned for a while. I spent the night at a lot of friends' houses, and like I said, my parents were divorced. I lived mostly with my dad, with my mom on the weekends, break, summers, or, you know, my mom talked to me for a while, and uh, it, it was difficult. It was extremely difficult, but I was very resolved. I, I felt like I had a, a new time faith. I felt like I was doing the right thing, the things that I needed to do. So I was, uh, I was excited. Now, how old were you again at this time? You said it was high school, right? Yeah, I was uh, 16. It's interesting. I mean, you go your whole life, and you obviously love your parents, and, and you are so involved in, in the lifestyle and being exposed to it and being there. It's the norm to you. What What was it for you? Because a lot of people come into Christianity um, and they say, and they don't see an issue with sexuality. They look at the Bible and they say, "Well, no, I don't need to change this, or no, this isn't wrong, or no, the Bible doesn't condemn this." What was it for you that convinced you, no, this is what the Bible says, and these are the standards that God has, considering your fam- your family, and all of the people you love so much being gay? Well, <clears throat> you know, I kind of went through a process. Um, I kind of went through a process of believing that. You know, God was real. If I'd always believed in some kind of power, but I believed that God was real. And then I believed that the Bible was true. I believed that everything about the Bible was completely true. And uh, it, it just went through a process. It was a hard process, really. And, I, you know, I, I knew that this was such a huge issue. I mean, even back in the 80s and 90s, obviously, it was a huge issue. Um, maybe not as well known as it as it is today, but it was definitely a very, very big issue. And I remember I, I hunkered down and really started studying passages, you know, in high school. And um, I, I just came to the conclusion that both the Old and the New Testament have, a, you know, they have a, a pattern of saying that, you know, God defines sexual intimacy between one man and one woman in the context of marriage. And uh, when I was even in Bible college, I spent time in Bible college, I really tried to look at the exegesis and historical settings of these passages, and I just couldn't get around it. I know lately there are a lot of conservative seminary professors, pastors, so on and so forth, you know, that have published books and sermons saying that, you know, God doesn't see anything wrong with same-sex relationships, but in order to get there, they have to be fancy, hermeneutical, acrobatic moves that nobody's seen before, and they have to try to do impressive exegesis, take things out of context, and 
you know, it's like, wow, you, you come up with these revelations, but in all the years of Christianity, nobody else has. It's like, wow, well, you know, think of this. You're here to help the rest of us. Well, it's, yeah, it's just odd to me that that all of this comes at a time. I mean, there have always been people who will say here and there, oh, you know, there is no problem. But but that it's all coming at a time when public opinion is changing. Because, to, you know, to me, that's sort of, you know, and, and I I mean, I haven't gone, I'm actually in a seminary program that I've, that I've been working my way slowly through. And it's interesting because the history on this issue seems pretty settled. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of, perspective out there. There, you know, there's a group of a hundred evangelicals that signed on to a thing um, the other day against Kim Davis, you know, the Kentucky clerk, um, and also had signed on to a to a document affirming the Supreme Court's decision on gay marriage. And you know, my only point there is it, it sounds like, wow, so many people are jumping on board with this, but then you, you look at the polling on this and I mean it's like ninety-six percent of evangelicals disagreeing with the Supreme Court ruling and the vast majority of evangelical leaders still holding to the traditional views that have been really the basis of the faith. So I guess my question is, you know, and, and, and I think you're the perfect person to ask this to, um, you know, are, and I think I already know your answer, but are, is it possible that people could have been reading scripture wrong on this issue for, for eons? No, absolutely not. I'll tell you why people change their beliefs. Um, and I talked about this in the book, that'd be great stuff. But the reason why people change their beliefs um, is, is not because of really studying the Bible. Because, let's be honest, I mean, you know this as well as I do. You can take just about any verse or put together a conglomeration of verses, and you can try to massage interpretation, and you can pretty much make it say what you want it to say, right? Like, right. People do it all. But the reason I believe I don't think it comes from exegesis. I think it comes from relationships. I think the people, at least most of the people that I know, and I know not all of them, but a lot of them, change their theological beliefs because somebody they love comes out to them. And all of a sudden, the world is rock. And they really think that they only have two choices. One choice is to say, okay, I'm going to hold firm to my theological convictions. And uh, I'm really going to have to shun this person, or I'm going to have to treat them differently. Or the other option is, I'm going to have to change my worldview on sexuality and see if I can really find some resources in the Bible or books that people have written that will help me feel better about changing my worldview. But there's a third option, and the third option is you can stand firm in your biblical convictions, and it should not cause you to love people any more. I mean, you, I mean, that's where I am. I, I love uh, some of the people in my life who are LGBT, but I believe that God has a standard for sexuality and for holy women. And I believe that God designed sexual intimacy for one man and one woman in the context of marriage. That being said, though, uh, my theological conviction for my relationship with Jesus will never be a catalyst to devalue a person. Right. It will never be a catalyst to treat somebody less. I mean, let, let's, I mean, really, honestly, a relationship with Jesus Christ should make people love uh, those who are different from them all the more, um, because we're able to lean into God's love for that. And, again, you know, I, in my book, I use an example of Senator Rob Portman, who for many years was a supporter of traditional marriage, 
And then all of a sudden he says, hey, you know, I, I believe that it's okay to have same-sex relationships. Well, what happened? His son came out to him. And when his son came out to him, he felt like he had two options. Change his biblical worldview, or it's going to alter forever his relationship with his son. And again, I don't think you have to go to any extreme. You know, John chapter 1, verses 14 and 17 say that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And again, people go to the extreme of grace. It doesn't matter what you do as long as, you know, as long as you're a good person. But then some people go to the side of truth and, you know, they preach, but there's no law. And my, you know, my whole argument is, is that we need to learn to live in the tension of grace and truth. We have to learn to live in the tension of both. It's not one or the other. And really that, that feeling that you have, that's the tension. And it's like, somebody you love, is doing something you don't like, you're like, I love this person, but they're doing this. And, you know, I, I've always tried to figure out what that tension is, and I think I've figured it out, that it's love. Love is the tension of grace and truth. And you can't really love somebody without sharing the truth and love. So important. Well, and and I think that's true, and it, and that's sort of the you know Christians have badly mishandled this issue among others, and I think you know that 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 has created sort of the the situation that many people are finding themselves in now, which is where it's hard to express. I think you just expressed it very well. Express that love without being called a bigot. You know, to say I love you, but I don't agree. But you know, you're suddenly everyone's a everyone's a Westboro Baptist Church member. Unfortunately, when it comes to this issue in in the in the PR minds of some of these of some of these groups out there, and I think that's sort of the unfortunate thing because you can find a way, as you have, to have a theological disagreement and not treat people any different and still love them. Let me ask you this: How are you with your family now, um, years later? Well, I went on staff after I graduated from college uh, while I was in seminary. I was on staff for 11 years at a place called Shepherd of the Hills Church. It's a pretty large megachurch in, in the L.A. area. And uh, I, I really felt called to preach when I was out there. Um, so my family, uh, my wife and kids and I moved to Dallas, Texas. We were there three and a half years before coming back here to Pastor Discovery Church. And while we were in uh, Dallas, Texas, preaching at this church, um, my parents both moved there separately of one another because they wanted to be close to our family. My mother's partner had died. She was going through a, an extreme childhood depression. My dad had retired. And so they moved to be closer to us, and then both of them said, hey, can we start going to the church you preach at? Which I was shocked. I mean, these are the people that were making fun of me. These were the people that were... Uh, we listen to Christian radio just to make fun of them that categorize all Christians, like you said, as Westboro. But, you know, I said, sure, come on, you know what I believe, go ahead. And they started coming. And we left the summer of 2013 to come to Discovery Church. And before uh, we moved, two weeks before we moved out here, both my parents gave their lives to the Lord. Wow. Both my parents accepted Christ. And... They're no longer uh, in a, a same-sex relationship. Um, you know, are they, are they still are they still attracted to members of the same sex? I'm sure they are. You know, you don't live that way for 30 plus years and not be that way. And you know, do they do they believe in Jesus? Yes. Do they go to church when they can? Yes. My dad actually, I just moved him out here, so 
so he goes to my church now. I pick him up almost every Sunday. Uh, somebody else takes him back to the assisted living place. You know, do they, uh, do people still probably look down on him stuff? Yeah. Do they have every theological conviction I do? No. You know, are they saved? Yes. How does all that go together? I don't know. You know, it's never been my job to try to figure out the tension of grace and truth when it comes to the LGBT issue. And some people have told me, you know, Billy, they have a problem with that. I have a problem with black or white. But come on, our faith is not black or white. We believe in one God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe God with the Bible, but so do people. We believe Jesus is fully God, fully human. We believe that God is completely sovereign, but yet we are held responsible for our choices. So it's like our theology is filled with tension. Why in the world would that not be true when it comes to how we treat a lot of people, right? Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, I could go on for another half an hour with you. I, have, I mean, there's so much, and I think we'll, we'll cover a lot more in our next, we're going to be doing another interview uh, for listeners out there. But one last quick question, because we have to run here in a minute, but what's your advice, and it's sort of a loaded question, what's your advice to Christians on how to tackle this issue in an era where it's becoming more and more difficult to do so publicly? My advice is to, number one, I don't, and I know this, this is going to sound bad, and I don't mean this to sound um, disrespectful, because I know that there are a lot of people who are working on the political front, really, and, they, and, and we need these people working on the political front. I mean, we need that. I appreciate the people that are standing up for religious liberty, people like Jay Sekulow and so on and so forth. But the average person in their relationship, you know, with, with, with people in their lives who are gay or lesbian, transgender, bisexual, uh, questioning, whatever that looks like. The average person does not take a political stand in their relationships. You know, maybe if they get in a political conversation, yes, but here are the chances. Chances are, people in your life who are gay, and openly gay at that, they already know that the Bible is interpreted by many not to be favorable towards their life choice to be in the same sex relationship. The chances are, many of them have felt shunned by Christians and other people of faith. Chances are they're probably on their guard with our listeners, everyday people that they know who are Christians, and they're on their guard because they know there's a chance that they'll be judged. Again, here's my advice. Build into your relationship first. Don't make, don't make them feel like a project. Don't, don't bring up a lot of things. Get to know them as a person. Get to know their experiences. Get to know their heart. Get to know who they are. You see, the biggest mistake really, that many people make when it comes to this issue is they think that this issue is about who you have sex with. That's why you're gay. And, and I do think that, you know, of course, having sex with somebody the same gender is a sin. But I don't, in my experience with people growing up in that community, that is a part of being gay, but that's not the larger part. My mom told me, that in her last few years with uh, her partner Vera, before Vera died of cancer, she told me that they weren't sexually active. And I know that's weird. Nobody likes to talk about their parents being sexually active. <laughs> you know, we all want to think that we're dropped off by storks. But, again, you know, she said, you know, we haven't been sexually active for years. And I'm like, but you still identify yourself as well. And she's like, well, yeah, that, that's our community. We get acceptance there. Those are our friends. Like, that's people who relate with us. We're part of a cause of the movement. 
I said, Mom, you can subscribe to church. And she said, why would I go somewhere that make me feel worse about myself? And <laughs> it dawned on me that homosexuality is not as much about who you have sex with. Homosexuality is more about identity. It's more about who you're relating with and people that get you and people that understand you and people that, that see you as a whole person. And I think Christians lose the argument when they automatically go to the whole, you know, the Bible says it's a sin to have sex with somebody of the same gender. Well, if you build a good enough relationship with somebody, eventually you'll have margin in that relationship to have that conversation. It'll probably naturally come up and you don't have to try to force it or throw Bible verses out. But when we just automatically go to that argument without getting to know the person and realize that people are really a mosaic of experiences and pains and hurts and joys and upbringing, and, and when we don't try to think of them in that perspective, we're thinking far too shallow. And that's why we lose this argument so much. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Well, listen, Caleb, this has been great, and I really appreciate you taking the time, and we will be talking again very, very soon. Back to the church boys. So we hope that y'all enjoyed that interview with Kate and Caleb Clacken Clacken Clackenbauer backer Clackenbauer Clayton Caltenback. Yeah, um, the, I'm the one with the competency problem. <laughs> no, you technology wise. I, listen, have I ever claimed to be intelligent ever? No. Okay, be fair. Thank you. I have never claimed that. Uh, so, um, where was it, where were we going? You had a story you wanted to bring up, and oh, it's this prayer request thing. So we're just speaking of prayer requests. So we're gonna we're gonna get out of here in just a minute. But there's one more story we wanted to look at, uh, talk about very quickly, and it's about a a prayer request board in a school that that ticked off a bunch of atheists. Now, if you don't go ahead, tell the story, and then I will, I got let, let's talk about it. All right, so we have a school, and I actually called the teacher. Her name is Randy Rogers. Tried to get her to talk. She's ignoring me, which is not a surprise. She probably wants the story to go away, but it's a Mississippi school. It's a middle school, and it's in the Lamar County School District. And bottom line is this teacher, she made a board. It's like a little chalkboard where she wrote prayer requests. It's on the back of a closet door. And under prayer requests, if students wanted prayer from the teacher, they could put their names. And so we have a picture on the blaze of, of you know, this board with some of the students' names on it. Now, it, it doesn't say anything about Jesus or the Bible or anything. It's just a prayer request board. And apparently th this started when students were coming to her and asking for prayer. So th there were kids asking for help. And look, young people, life is difficult, right? There's a lot of challenges when you're young. And so they were looking for prayer. Now... One parent, one child apparently took a picture of this, showed their parent, they went to the American Humanist Association, which is an atheist group, and there was a threat that was sent out, a letter that was sent out to the school district, and in the end, the school district decided to paint over a prayer, the prayer request wall. That's the, that's the story, and I, I mean, that's... you go ahead, react to this, Chris. So, okay, so here's, here's my, here's my, I, I, I understand people want to have the, the separation of church and state stuff, and I, and I can get that, and I can respect part of that argument, but this is not what that's about, because these atheists don't believe in God. So the religious aspects of of what they're challenging to me seems like they why would they care? If if I were to say uh which is more real to you? Uh a Christian or Christian or non-sectarian non or whatever prayer request list to a god that doesn't exist or uh Aladdin and his magic lamp with the genie that comes out and you get three wishes. And they would say they're both equally 
myth mythological. They're both equally pretend. They're both equally make believe. If she asked, if she put up a a, a, a list and said your wish list and had a picture of a of of, of Aladdin's lamp, right, genie's lamp, to to an atheist that would be just as realistic as a prayer request list. So this is their wish list. This is right. I mean, isn't that what athe- I mean? When atheists find both ideas equally silly, so what do they even care? Right, but in, in if a teacher and we don't know all the details in the letter, the t- student claimed apparently that the teacher had said you can't criticize my religion and all this other stuff. I don't really believe it, but it's possible. Right. Um, at the end of the day, if a teacher can't talk about God in the classroom and can't talk about their faith, but if students, okay, let's say the students, it's a small town, let's say, they go to church with that teacher. They know that teacher in church. So they know she's a Christian right. or they know she's whatever. Now, the, and by the way, again, a prayer request, lots of other religions pray too. Pray too. I mean, the vast right. majority of right. people pray. Right. So if that teacher is saying, I can't talk about these things in class, but I'm going to put up a prayer board and we're not going to talk about it, but if you want to put your name up there and my own time, I will pray for you. That to me is not a violation of the First Amendment. I right. think, if anything, the bigger violation of the First Amendment is not allowing students who are seeking guidance in some way, and, yeah. and it's tricky saying that because I know atheists will seize on that and say a teacher shouldn't be giving religious guidance, but they're seeking help in some way, right. can't get that help from their teacher and can't ask for it because you're saying it's not appropriate. You, In my view, you're almost restricting the students' rights to a degree. Yeah, and and... And again, I don't, I don't know how this sign was created. Maybe you do. But if she had students that perhaps she went to church with and, and she's talking to those students, they want a prayer request list. And she said, listen, I can't create one, but you can put one up in my room. And she just let them put one up in the room and the students had created it. Do we know if that's the case or did she actually create the list herself? From what I understand, she created it. Um, it it's, uh, you know, when you when you go back and look at what the district said, uh, the superintendent had said, you know, hey, students had asked for this and, you know, she she posted it for them. But but you raise another interesting point, because I would imagine, look, atheists have gone after football teams and they've gone after chaplains and right. they've gone after prayer in football. Oh, well, the coach can't lead it, but the students can. Right. OK, well, if the students lead that prayer. You're allowing it. Well, if the students right. want to put up a prayer board, then right. it has to be allowed. Right. 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 And and it's the same thing with, with uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You know, if she's a if she's a teacher who's hosting the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in her room, that board that that board would be up in her room. I mean, well, maybe what about can't okay. keep it up all day? I don't know, but don't Bible clubs? I would imagine in schools they need to have advisors like every other club. The teacher who's advising that Bible club, right? Right. I mean, these are the questions that I have about this. I think that we've gotten so far off the rails. Yep. If atheists can't handle, okay, I'm sorry that you can't even be around nativity without feeling like you're melting. And by the way, I think 99% of atheists don't care about this stuff at all. And so when we say atheists, it's unfortunate. So I think I'm talking about atheist activists and I like some of these atheist activists. I think they're nice people. I interact with them, but I think it gets to a point where it becomes obsessive, unhealthy, and restrictive. And, And that's not to me a healthy thing for for us to be well, it's, doing. It's, and it's interesting that atheists think they shouldn't have to put up with any sort of Christian message in their life at in the public forum, but Christians should have to put up with an atheist message in their life. Right. right? The, the forced absence of God, right? Having just going into a room and there being no God references at all, period, isn't forcing anything on anybody at all, right? But the forced 
prevention of God messages, that then is the promotion of an atheist message, right? No, I mean, absolutely. Right? absolutely. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, we see this everywhere. We see it with Disney. We see it with, you know, private companies, and they have the right to do it. But when we get into government, it gets so it gets so tricky. You know, yeah, Hobby Lobby has the right as a company to promote religion. Uh, Disney has a right as a company to, they still have their Christmas show, but they've removed yeah. some of the elements that were a little more sectarian. Yeah. They have the right to do that. When it comes to the government, though, the government represents the vast, it represents the people. The vast majority of the people, you know, believe a certain way. Right. If you go to Dearborn, Michigan, you're going to have a lot of Muslims. I wouldn't be surprised if on public property somewhere during an Islamic holiday, there was a representation of that. Right. That's the population there. I get it. Yep. I just think that Atheists are so desperate for atheist activists for community and representation that they don't want anybody else to have it, and yet they're trying to build that for themselves. So at Christmas time, they'll put up a really nasty sign next to the nativity right. about how free thought and reason are the reason for the season and all this other right. ridiculous stuff. That's jabbing somebody in the eye. That's not celebrating your beliefs. That's does not. It, and does it seem like that they go now? Listen, our our country is disproportionately Christian. Okay, as far as religious identification goes. But don't you think that they are dis disproportionately to that disproportion going after Christians, right? The, you you hear, I hear almost zero stories about them going after Islamic groups or Islamic students or even necessarily Jewish students. Well, and that may or be I, or because... Or am I just missing it? That may be because of the demographics. You know, there are yeah. just more examples of yeah. Christian. And look, they're right. Some of these groups are right sometimes. I think that's important to emphasize. Oh, hush, too. we can't be going call, going around calling them right. <laughs> there are times that they're right. Look, right. there are we do I think Christians need to ask the question sometimes if it were a if it were a Muslim doing what that Christian pastor is doing or that Christian teacher is doing, right. how would you react? And I think the answer right. many times would be awfully. Right. But a lot of these groups pick bad battles. I think it's yeah. very nasty during the Christmas season to put those signs up. It's yeah. rude. Right. It's uncalled for. Go celebrate nothingness in your own house right. with your friends. I would Don't be, rub it in people's right. faces during their holy holidays. Right. So the, the the atheists will take their religious worldview, and it is a religious worldview, and then oh, it is. Mo and mock Christians during Christmas time, right? But they wouldn't dare. They wouldn't. I shouldn't say wouldn't dare. People would be rightfully upset if during Ramadan Christians came out and said, you know. Muhammad and purposely put a finger in the eye of, of Muslims about Muhammad, right? We would be looked down on for doing that. And rightfully well, Terry so. Jones. I mean, some right. people have done that. No, no, there's listen, you have every, you have every quote right to do it. Doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. We have every right to do it. And I should be able to say to people I disagree with theologically here, here's why I think that your theological worldview isn't correct. And here's where, here's where I stand and here's our differences. And here's why, where I, here's why I believe this and I don't believe what you believe. We can have those debates, but to go out and purposely put, stick a finger in somebody's eye, regardless of their religion and your religious worldview. It's very unchristian. Well, it's very, but it's very, un, <laughs> it's just very unkind. Right. You know? I agree. And I think it's, it's also weird. a waste of people's time. This yeah. is the cause that you're yeah, devoting yeah, your yeah, life yeah. to is putting signs out in front of nativities. Are you All serious? Right. All right. Hey, let's, let's quickly give a 30 second recap. Speaking of atheists that tick us off. Okay. And our little friend, Mikey got some bad news this week. Do you want to tell that story real quickly? 
He did. Now, Mikey is not an atheist. He says he's no. Jewish. And right. Well, yes, he's, that's true. Well, he's, no, and I only said that because he has threatened to sue over that issue. Right. Um, I shouldn't the, say. I shouldn't say. You're and you're correct. He's not. You atheist. weren't calling him an atheist. No. I was just clarifying it for right. listeners. You were right. just saying. Speaking of atheists, let's move over to another church-state separatist yes, group. Yes, and he has. Anyway, um, that's fine. Oh, did you ever see the? So I use the word church-state separatist. I use oh, that dear. all the time. Oh dear. And. Somebody went after me. Like they wrote an article about how I shouldn't be using that terminology, and I'm only oh, doing it to demonize atheists. Yeah. Which, no, you are you are committed to the separation. And in fact, when you look at the history of church and state, that is a term that is sometimes used. But anyway, right. Mikey Weinstein. I don't know. I haven't talked to him about this. He's the Military Religious Freedom Foundation head. There was a chaplain, and I would imagine Mikey would be very angry about this. Who Wes Motter, who was accused of saying things negative about gays and lesbians, saying things, basically, and when I say saying things negative, he was actually just, according to what we know, saying what he believes the Bible to say on the, on issues and like even, homosexuality, and sex And even just reading marriage. from the Bible about sexual, right. sexuality. So Sallers came to him. He was He's at a, at, a, at a Navy command. Sallers came to him, and they asked him questions, and they sought out advice, and then they didn't like the answers they got, so they went and complained about him. Long story short, his commander tried to have him removed from his position. He could have been, he could have lost his job had he right. been put before a panel. And it was this whole debacle back and forth. We covered it back in March. He last week won his battle. The military said, well, there's no case here. He didn't, there's no evidence he did anything wrong. Right. And um, interestingly, the military usually gets back to me pretty quickly. They didn't respond in this case because I, you know, the commanding officer, there's a complaint against him now from Wes Motter, the chaplain, saying, this was inappropriate that he was mistreated. And so there's, this is not, the story is not over yet, but, but right now he's been reinstalled into his mm. position. He had been temporarily removed. And I would imagine, you know, based on. Uh Oh, Billy. Oh no, Billy froze. You still there, Val? Oh man. All right. So, so we, Billy saw the story about, uh, Lieutenant commander Wes Motter, and he is now getting to keep, keep his job. Oh, Billy's calling me back. Hello, Billy. <laughs> anyway, so Wes Motter's keeping his job for now. I'm sure that there's going to be more uh, with the case that's going on. And and uh, and so let's see if Billy's going to come back here. Billy. Hello, Billy. Billy boy. Billy boy. So this is Billy and his technology. Billy has uh, mad technology skills. You around there, pal? Anyway, so uh, Lieutenant Commander Wes Motter gets to keep his job for now, at least it looks like, and we, it's a it's a win for the uh, the religious side and the and the um, freedom from freedom from religion type folks. <laughs> Where is Bill? Where did you go? <laughs> anyway, so uh, with that, uh, Billy's just gonna bid a fond farewell and a fond adieu to you uh, 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 from afar. And so uh, we hope you all have a great weekend and we will talk to you later. Wait, wait, is that Billy? Hey, is he here? Is he back? I'm, yeah, my, I lost internet. Never mind. I won't, we're not giving quite the, uh, we're not giving it a do quite yet. It's very interesting that this would happen right after we have our technology discussion about you. Uh, uh, oh boy. No, we, we've been losing internet for the last two days, you know, because right. we have because a wonderful keep, provider. Because you keep kicking out the, the connection cord. So anyway, I just kind of closed us up. So <laughs> wait, what year do you live in that there's a connection cord? I don't know, like a plug-in. <laughs> it's Wi-Fi, kicking out the grandpa. power. <laughs> anyway, so I think we're good. Anything else you want to add? Uh, um, technology. Read your hadith. Technologies are. <laughs>
<laughs> we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. <laughs> Church Board.